Right. Praise the Lord. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How are we doing on a beautiful fall Sunday morning? I may be premature, but I went for the sweater. I'm like going for the fall sin today. I'm not even going to mess around. So the fall weather's moving in. We have had an awesome week. How many people came to Harvest Fest? Amen. On Friday night, it was off the charts. Fantastic. Uh, it was totally different this year. Just small scale, intimate. Uh, it was, it was incredible. It was like, it was, it was, we've never had one like that because of the unique circumstances this year. But Miss Katie let it up and Desiree and Robert. So I'm going to let them say a little bit or let Katie say a little bit about it. Well, I just love all of you so, so much. This year was really sentimental to me. It was almost silly. Like I, I felt wimpy almost that Friday morning when we were getting ready to meet to go set up, I'm, I'm in my bathroom putting makeup on crying. Like, thank you, Lord, for our church family. I'm just so grateful that each of you have been called here, that each of you have been sent here, that God has done so much in your life. And the emotional part was thinking over what he's done in each of our lives, even if only this year. It's been really amazing. Lots and lots of great testimonies and things to praise the Lord for. But also with that, I was thinking how Pastor and Miss P, Mom and Dad, have really worked very, very, very hard in life to get to the place that they are and to have that property to go to. And there's a few of us who have done some minor things, but Pastor and Miss P have worked so very hard to make that available for us. Hours and hours and hours of hard labor to make that available. So I just want all of us this morning to thank them for making that available to us. Thank you so very much for simple things like a lit walkway to the restroom, for a rodeo arena that looked like the outfield at a baseball stadium. It was just beautiful and perfect. So thank you. Thank you for all of that work. And this morning, Pastor Dave has put together, in case you weren't able to make it, a little video for us to watch of what all went on. All right. Very good. So we'll go ahead and play that video. A little recap of Harvest Fest. All right, go ahead, guys.
All right, everybody. So we had a great time, didn't we? Praise God. We had to bless the families, bless the kids. The kids went home with so much candy this year. And now I'm sort of regretting that because one of my kids thought he could eat Starburst for breakfast. But this morning I had to squash that right away. You can't do that. Come on, man. So anyway, awesome times. Thank you to everybody that helped. What a wonderful, wonderful time. We will never forget this year. And I'm sure next year we'll be back to the great big citywide outreach with the thousands of people. But it was an awesome year for this this year. Let's give God one more praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and have pastor come on up for our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Amen. Who knows what time we call that? Happy time, man. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Say, Jesus is good. And his mercy endures forever. Let's have one more time. Say, Jesus is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. Praise God for the mercies of God. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, this COVID stuff's coming to pass pretty quickly, pretty soon. Everything will be back to normal. Not the new normal, but normal. Back to how life is supposed to be. Amen. Well, what time is it? Happy time. If you need an envelope for your tithes, your offerings, and hold up your hand, the usher will be glad to take care of you with that. And open up your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And I think about what Katie was talking about, about about the uh, blessing of God on us, and actually it's on anybody that wants it. But uh, I talked about that last Wednesday night I, in the service. I, my, my title was my testimony for how to enjoy a blessed life. And, you know, you, you don't just start at the top rung of the ladder in life. You, you work your way up, especially the kingdom of God. It's a progressive walk. The more you walk with Jesus and are obedient to what he has for you, the, the more the blessing of God shows up. Amen. And so, you know, I, I was just thinking about what I was talking about, wisdom about that blessing. Mrs. Pastor and I had followed God for years. At one point in time, and stayed in the will of God, we had to rent a house, and it was full of snakes. <laughs> and the basement was full of water, and I had to go down to the basement to change fuses all the time, walking in water through snakes to get to where we are. But we had to do what we had to do where we were. But the main thing is, it pays to serve God. It pays to serve God no matter where you are. You be thankful for who he is. And it'll get you out of where you are to where you want to be. Amen. But that's how it works. But Malachi chapter 3 is a wonderful chapter of the Bible. And, and Malachi chapter 3 is something that I depend upon all the time. And so uh, as, as we read Malachi chapter 3, there's two types of Christians we're talking to. And, and listen to this for this morning. If you're a Christian already that faithfully gives God 10% of your income, then you need to hear this here for what belongs to you to help you stand on your covenant rights so God can do all he wants to do. Because the covenant's like a contract. I was a team truck driver for a lot of years, and we had to know our contract so we'd be treated right on our job so we'd get what belonged to us and, 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 and things to go right. And so as a Christian, you need to know your contract. God wants this contract to come to pass. The devil wants to still kill, destroy from you. And you need to be able to look at your contract and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, it is written. 
Amen. If you don't know it is written what it is, then you don't know how to enforce the contract. And so also, that's, that's one group of people I want to talk to is the ones that are tithers to remind you what belongs to you. As a matter of fact, when I was, when I was a teamster, we had union meetings. And we go to union meetings every once in a while. I mean, the fanatics went every month, but I went once every decade. But at the union meetings, they remind us what was new in the contract. This contract has nothing new. <clears throat> it's all there, but we had to know what belonged to us. And so then the other group of people I want to talk to, if you're not a tither yet, if you're not a person yet that's faithful to give God 10% of what he blesses you with, you need to see what's in the contract for you, what belongs to you, what you can have if you join up with the contract. Amen? Amen. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherewith have we robbed thee? And God said, You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And says, You're cursed with a curse. If you have robbed me, even this whole nation... And so God told Israel at the time they were backslidden, said, you guys aren't being faithful. Said, I told you to give me 10% of your increase off your crops, off your cattle, off your business, 10%. He said, because you are, you're cursed with a curse. God is not the curser. I don't know if you're aware of it or not. There's a curse on the human race. Jesus came and shed his blood to get us out under the curse but in, in, in spiritual things, there's always the God part and the mad man part. God always says, if you do this, I'll do this. God says it's available, but you got to do your part. And so back when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, Satan came in. And at that point in time, Adam was the head of the human race. And God started off what he's doing through Adam and Eve. And God told Adam and Eve, said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. said, the day you eat it, you'll surely die. Well, anyway, long story short, the day that Adam and Eve disobeyed God and hooked up with Satan, the earth was made good, but then a curse come on the earth. A curse come on the human race. Then Jesus Christ came and he purchased the blessing for us to come out under the curse. The curse is still there, but you cooperate with God's plan for your life you can live free from the curse. Amen. And so he said, you're cursed with a curse because you're robbing me. But then he said, here's what you've got to do. He said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. He's talking about a spiritual storehouse for you as Christians. That's the place where you get fed. That's where your spiritual blessings come from, hooked up with your local church. He says, bring the tithe in that there may be meat or spiritual food in mine house. He said, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. That means Lord of battles. God wants to fight your battles all the way. God said, I am the Lord of your battles, but you got to cooperate with me. He said, prove me now, if I not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be enough to receive it. And what we've got to see as Christians, see so many Christians, because they don't know the Bible, they think that the blessings just fall on you because you love Jesus. He said, when you bring the tithe in, I'll open the windows. <clears throat> and so I don't know about you, but in my house, when my windows are closed, it's very obvious to me, when my windows are closed, the dirt and the sand and the air doesn't blow through my windows when they're closed. But if I want a breeze, 
I open my window and the breeze comes in. And so God said, and you know, so many times I hear Christians praying things like this, oh God, oh God, open the heavens, open the heavens. God says, no, when you bring the tithe in, that's what opened them over you. He said, you're the one in control of the blessing on your life. You're the one that's in control if you're living under the open, open windows of heaven. Said, you bring the tithe in, God said, I open. Amen. That's, that's the covenant. And then he says this. He said, I'll pour out a blessing upon you. Not room enough to receive it. And that's what Katie's talking about, about Mrs. Pastor and I. We've walked in this lots and lots and lots of years. And the blessing increases and increases and increases. And so the blessing's not a one-time thing. He said, oh, Lord, I need a blessing. He said, when you're a faithful tither, you live in the blessing. And that means this, we're in a blessed land. And when attacks come, look at the next verse. God said, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And at this point in time, in this verse right here, God's talking to primarily people that grow things. He's talking to farmers, he's talking to agriculture. I rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of battles. And so because those farmers depend upon their crops for their income, God said, I'll rebuke the devourer. In July of 1985, I was at a minister's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Oral Roberts was the speaker. And Oral Roberts said, well, God literally said that verse I rebuked the devourer. God said, I'll say, stop thief to the seed thief. Because when you're a farmer, you not only want fruit, you want seed left for next year so you can plant more for more fruit. And so God said to the, to the devil, trying to steal those crops, he said, seed thief, stop. You can't go any further. You're not taking their seed. And so for us as Christians, what that means is this. If we all the time have broke down cars, broke down houses, broke down appliances, doctor bills just everywhere like that, we have no seed to sow into the kingdom of God. And because God multiplies our seed sown, we got to have money left over to sow into the kingdom of God so God can multiply it. So he said that God told those farmers, stop thief, you're not stealing their seed. And so when you want to give into the kingdom of God, if you just spend all your money on broke down stuff, you don't have any seed to sow. And so God said, I'll stop the thief from stealing your stuff. And for this here about the, about the farmers and the crops, Mrs. Pastor and I really see that now. You know, we have a pistachio orchard, have almost 100 trees. And this is our first really good year of getting this orchard going right. We've got so many pistachios. Those branches are falling down to the ground loaded with so many pistachios because God rebuked the devourer for us. Our crops are very full. God blessed what we grow, so I can really see how this works in this natural world. But for your life, that's what God wants. And then God says, here's the result of that. He says, all nations shall call you blessed. And when we think about nations, we're not just thinking about, 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 about the ground and the buildings and things like that. Nations are made up of people. And so God said that all the people around you will see you and call you blessed, just like my wonderful daughter-in-law just did. Said, our pastors are blessed, and that's what God said will happen. All nations call you blessed, for you shall be delights of land, saith the Lord of hosts. And so, 
I say to you, church family, if your tithers stand on these verses, if your family gets attacked with sickness and disease, stand on these verses if you lose your job, stand on these verses if your car, if your appliances are being attacked, stand on these verses, remind God what he said, that your stuff's blessed. He rebukes the devourer for you. If you're not a tither, you still go to heaven. Born again gets you to heaven. But while you live on earth, if you will step into the realm and give a God 10% faithfully of your income, then you're going to see things turn in your life. And then people are actually going to start saying, well, you know what? You're blessed. You're blessed. You're a blessed family. And you say, thank you. Jesus did that. Amen. Well, let's make our financial faith confession. Then we will worship the Lord for our tithes and offerings. As we bring the Lord's tithe, I give offerings today. We believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, to meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give just in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. we 
do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. 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 tells us that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. 
that's what this song is talking about, just us wanting to be closer to God. So let's just sing this song.
time let's sing, I can't get enough. And I can't get enough. And I can't get enough. Of your amazing love. Jesus, I can't get enough. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. 
There is nothing like your love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're in an atmosphere of worship this morning. Praise God. We know that there's times of praise when we sing about all God has done for us. Then there's times of worship where we just minister to the Lord and tell him how wonderful he is, how awesome he is, how holy he is. And, you know, of course, we can't ever plan anything like this. It's all it's all God. And I can tell this morning that we've got an atmosphere of worship in here. We've got people at the altar. We've got people crying and and that's one reason why you should be at church, people, because this doesn't happen on YouTube. And I'm sorry to say that, but it doesn't. No offense to anybody watching right now. But there's in Exodus chapter 3, uh, Moses heard God calling to him. And he's like, hey, speak. I- I'm listening. And, and, and God says, no, you can't come any closer. In fact, Moses, you've got to take off. Take your shoes off. Take your sandals off right now because you're standing on holy ground. And we're singing to the Lord this morning, you are holy, and you better recognize, people, that God is holy. Amen? And then, in fact, to take it a step further, he said, you know what? Be ye holy. 
for I am holy. Well, if we're supposed to be something, what in the world does it mean? Holy means to be set apart. We are not like everybody else. And the quicker you get that lesson as a Christian, the better off you're going to be. There's a reason you don't fit in with everybody else. There's a reason that you're a salmon swimming upstream. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a struggle at your job. Sometimes it's a struggle with your own family. And they don't get it sometimes. And they don't get you. But listen, it's because you are not like everybody else. You're holy. You're set apart. And the good news is, is that, yes, yeah, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes that uh, we're misunderstood. Sometimes there's a fight on our hands. But guess what? There's a blessing in the end because we don't have to put up with a lot of the same junk that the rest of the world has to put up with. I'm not afraid. I haven't lost one ounce of sleep in 2020. There is, I'm not, I have, I've not been sick. I've had the most resources I've ever had in my life. And it's all because of Jesus. I've never been healthier in my life. I've barely sneezed this entire year. I'm telling you right now, neither is my family. God is good. And yeah, we may catch a little flag sometimes, but you are called to be holy and you have got to learn this right now or you're just you're not going to be all that you need to be as a christian and so we're singing that god is holy today and i want to be more like him i want to be more like jesus i want to be more like god my father and he's holy the more that i'm like that the bigger of a separation that there's going to be between me and the rest of the world. But that's okay, because I care more about pleasing him than I do about anybody else walking on planet Earth. Amen? We've got to get that through our, through our heads, through our hearts and our minds. Amen? Well, praise God. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful service today. Uh, I'm gonna, my dad's going to come up and, and introduce my mom. My mom's going to be speaking. And while we're in this atmosphere of worship and holiness, we're going to ease in to this. My mom's teaching this morning on some very important topics. And it's a, it's a teaching session. I want Christians to be educated on some things. And we realize, hey, it's okay if we don't agree on every single little thing. But there are some things that Christians need to be on the same page about. And we're going to talk about that. And politically speaking, three major things. You cannot disagree on Israel. I mean, you've got to support Israel. God blesses those who bless Israel. You don't mess with Israel, and you need to know that right now. You don't mess with little babies, and, and, and I'm talking about abortion, all right? And I'm also talking about you don't reconstruct what God said the family ought to be. You don't mess with those things. Those are, and you, you can talk about money and, and, and green energy and foreign policy. That's fine, you know, whatever. Your opinion on that's great, and it can be different, but... As a Christian, you cannot support babies being killed. And you cannot support not standing up for the nation of Israel. That'll get us in a heap of trouble. And we've got to protect the family. Amen. And so she's going to share on some of those things from the Bible. And I pray if you've got sacred cows and if that's too sensitive, and you, you know, then, then I'm sorry for you. But we're going to hear some word of God today. Amen. And be a little more educated biblically. But I thank God the anointing's in here to remove any burdens and destroy any yokes. Amen. I'm ready to receive the word of God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. What an atmosphere. I can feel the anointing in this building today. It is beautiful. Amen.
Are we on now, Tom? Yeah. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Mrs. Pastor heard me praying this morning for the service, praying for her. They said, share with you what I was praying. No, number one, how many in here, and this is not a setup, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, just, just, just a spiritual question. How many in here are born again and you know the Holy Spirit's in your heart? Yeah. Amen. Well, when I was praying this morning, I, here, here's what I was praying. And I, pr- I was praying this, the same Holy Spirit that has barred the Bible is the same Holy Spirit that lives in me, the same Holy Spirit lives in you. It's not a different Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always speaks to our hearts. Now, how many know that God created us three-part beings? We're spirit beings, we have a soul, which our mind's part of our soul. Our mind, will, emotions are part of our soul, and we live in a physical body. That's our earth suit that contains our spirit and our soul. We need our earth suit, but our earth suit's not to speak to us and tell us how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to do, to give us spiritual direction in life. God speaks to our spirit, and our heads are influenced by the world. And so our heads are like a computer all the stuff we see on TV, the internet, people around us talk about, newspapers, whatever, they, they speak to our heads. God speaks to our heart. When we got born again, our brains didn't change. Our heart did. Holy Spirit's in our heart. And so I said that to say this. We are so influenced by society, and most of society is not Christians. And so we as Christians... If we want God's best in our lives, for our families, for our future, we have to hook up with God and go His direction. Like Pastor Dave said, we're like, we're like salmon swimming upstream against a current. We're going against everything because the world is on a downward spiral straight to hell. Amen. Jesus said, wide's the road, leads to destruction. He said, there's many on that one. He said, narrows the way that leads to life, few there be that find it. And so, I'm a Bible teacher, and so basically what I major on is just Bible, and I don't, I'm not like, you know, Pastor Day's a little bit preached teach. He gets a lot of natural information and facts he quotes all the time. Mrs. Pastor does a lot of study of a lot of things going on around us. Got a lot, she has a lot of facts. And so, the spiritual and the natural mixed together, but the spiritual needs to overcome natural thinking in your life. And so at this point in time, she's going to be talking about some political things. And so number one, if your head is programmed so much with what the world's telling you it ought to be like, shut your head up right now. The same Holy Spirit that inspired the Bible that lives in this great woman of God, she brings the word of God forth, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. If your head says, that's not what I heard, say, okay, head, shut up then. This is God talking to my heart because, you know, we hear enough politics preached, but I'll tell you what, our nation is in trouble. One will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight, the word of God says. So we as Christians need to stand up against the current of the world that wants to destroy our country. And so, as I was praying this morning, as they about our nation, as a spiritual leader, I know this. Everything in the world rises 
and falls on leadership. As the church goes, it's as the pastor goes. He leads the church, influences the church, and that's the direction of the church. Same thing with the city, same thing with the country. And so we must have good moral leadership right at the top again, down to governors and senators and congressmen and judges and whatever else office there is because they make the rules, they make the laws we live by, and we got to have godly people in authority. Amen. And so with saying all that, I want my lovely and gracious wife, as she yields to the Holy Spirit, to speak the word of God to us and help us be and do all God wants us to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, the title of my message today is called The Platforms. The Platforms. You don't hear a whole lot talk about the platforms, but the platforms are extremely important that you know what they say. Psalms 33:12 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, but also blessed is the state whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the county whose God is the Lord and blessed is the city whose God is the Lord, right? You just can't, you know, think, well, all I care about is my city when you don't care about your county or your state or your nation. That's not going to fly. You're going to have to all have all this stuff together. I want you to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Some of you may not, and while you're turning there, I'll just tell you a little story. Um, some of you may not know this, but... Uh, my ancestors on my mother's side came over on the Mayflower, which is super cool. It's all been researched and blah, blah, blah. Back to uh, England, back to Holland during the 1700s when the people that uh, wanted to come over on the Mayflower. Oh, gee, I'm going to get into my Mayflower story. Okay, the people that wanted to go over on the Mayflower the first time or, or that come to America the first time, the captain of the ship ratted on them, and they sent all the men to prison for a year. They didn't have welfare or any of that kind of stuff. So the women and the children were, were forced to fend for themselves for the year, for the, for a whole year. In the meantime, uh, they moved to Leydenden, Holland, where one of the biggest churches at that time, they had over a thousand people was there. I have ancestors that were born in Leydenden, Holland, and then therefore came back to England and then ended over coming over on the Mayflower. There are two ships, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. The Speedwell sprung a leak, so only the Mayflower came over. But before the Mayflower landed on the shores of America at Plymouth Rock, they made a Mayflower Compact. In that Mayflower Compact, it said that those people were here, had come to propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ before they even landed on shore. So this nation is founded on biblical principles. This nation was founded to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world. Amen. Now, so I came over on the Mayflower. May, maybe some of you, your ancestors came over on a slave ship. Or maybe some of them came across the Rio Grande River. But when I came here, I met a full-blooded Navajo lady. And she said this to me when I told her my Mayflower story. She said, oh, you were one of the first wetbacks. And I thought, good for you, lady. Everything's put in perspective, right? They were here first. 
The Native Americans were here first. Isn't that cool? So I just wanted to tell you all that. I, I just think it's an interesting story. Amen. Okay, Second Corinthians 5, look at verse 20. I'm in the New King James. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's what we are. If we're born-again believers, then we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you in Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Now, an ambassador, a definition of an ambassador, is an accredited diplomat sent by a country. So we're all ambassadors, right? Bible tells us we're ambassadors. So what country have we sent here by? We've been sent here from the country of heaven. We're down here, right? We are God's official representative here on earth. And we came to this, the foreign country. What is the foreign country? It's earth. We were sent from heaven to earth. We are ambassadors of Christ sent to earth. Why are we here? We're here to propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a person who acts as a representative or a promoter of a specific, specific, specific activity, that's us. In this case, we are promoting the activity of the Word of God. Okay? This, this word here, the word that you should have in your hand, this Bible that you have, should have in your hand, this is it, man. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the, and God Almighty said, I am the Lord. I change not. So just because we live in 2020 does not make this word obsolete. You gotta get that. He's a whole lot smarter than we are. He created this whole thing. He knows what we're doing. And we're smart if we hang on to God and hang on to His Word so that we can be smart too. Amen? Alright. So the Bible has a lot to say about government. I'm just going to throw out some scripture to you. I don't want you to look at them, but write them down. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2 talks about government. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 and 2 talks about government. 1 Timothy, slow down, right? I'll say it again. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. And there's a whole lot more. If you stop to think about it, the whole Bible talks about governments and politics. Look at Daniel. He got thrown in the lion's den for political reasons, correct? He did. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got thrown into the lion's den because of political issues. So you can't say that, you know, there's no politics in the Bible. Duh, there is. It's from cover to cover. So whatever, whoever fed you that lie, you can just kind of bury that one, you know, in the backyard now because that's not so. Okay. And when political stuff clashes with the word of God, then it becomes our duty as pastors to talk about it. Amen. Back in the, you know, I talked about back in the founding days of our, of our forefathers, people that wrote the Declaration of Independence and the Constitutions were, a lot of them were pastors. I just want to recommend somebody to you. If you've never heard of David Barton, B-A-R-T-O-N, look him up. 
Um, he's a Christian historian. He has, he's from Texas. He has within his, his property 70,000 documents from early American history that nobody really sees unless he tells people about them. Um, one of them is he has a, you know, and if, if, if you go to public school now, they'll tell you that Thomas Jefferson was a deist. Thomas Jefferson was not a deist. You know why? Because David Barton has a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to his wife talking about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So see, a lot of times we've been fed a lie. And I'm a truth person, man. I hate to be lied to. I hate to be told the lies. I love truth. And I'm a truth seeker. That's why I love Jesus, because I heard about Jesus and I sought him out. And Jesus is the truth. And it's the same thing with our with our American history. We need to find what is the truth because you've been lied to for years. And so anyway, if you want to know about some awesome stuff about American history, look up David Barton. He's written lots of wonderful books. And I'm going to talk about one of the books that, that he has written about to explain separation of church and state in a minute. I'm going to talk about that. So um, we're going to talk today about what does the word of God have to say on certain topics that are biblical, that are also political. I'm going to hand out to you, have the ushers hand out to you a packet at the end of the service. In it, this is one of the things. It says party platform comparisons. It's got the Republican and the Democratic platform. There's two sides to it. And these are all biblical issues, but I'm not going to cover all of them that they've covered. But they will, they took, this is from the Family Research Council. You can write that down. If you ever want to Google some truth stuff, look up Family Research Council. Tony Perkins out of Washington, D.C. It has comments made from the Republican platform on the sanctity of life, comments made from the Democratic platform on the sanctity of life. You need to know what these political parties stand for. Because you may think, that chair, let's, let's just talk about President Trump. Let's just talk about Vice President Joe Biden. You look at these two men and you get all concerned about their personalities. But what you don't think about is the huge entire platform that is in back of them. That's their belief system. Joe Biden's, his, his political beliefs are in the Democratic platform. President Trump's political beliefs are in the Republican platform. And we get caught up, and that comes all the way down through state, county, and city governments. What is the platform? What does it say? And that's why I'm talking about platforms today. You need to know what these people believe. You need to know what they stand for because some of it's good, some of it's appalling. And so anyway... You know, you can look up uh, the Republican platform and the Democratic platform on your computer. You know, I don't print them up because they're like anywhere from 75 to 150 pages. But you can sit there at your computer and you can read them. You know, the, Democrat, the Republican platform is the same as the platform from 2016. They didn't change their platform. It's the same. Republic, the Democratic platform is different. But it's an eye-opener for you to sit there and just read it. You may not be able to sit there all at the same time and read it because it gets kind of dizzy after a while, but it's there. It's there for you to see. Okay, okay, so the first issue, what does the Word of God have to say about abortion? The Word of God is not at all silent on abortion at all. I could go forever on, on this topic because... That's my first issue. If you're not, if you're not, you know, you got to be pro-life, man. (laughs) 
you got to save these babies. Over 62 million babies have been aborted. 62 million babies have been aborted in the United States of America as of 2018. Now, not only to make matters worse, but the United States of America has also funded abortions in other nations. I have no idea how many babies from other nations that the United States of America has promoted abortions in. I have no clue. But just in America alone, 62 million. Here's a, here's a baby statistic. When the baby's in the womb, and we believe that, babe, that uh, life begins at conception, when that sperm meets that egg, life begins. And I'll prove that to you from the Word of God in a minute. A baby's heartbeat begins at five weeks in the womb. Five weeks in the womb, baby heartbeat that can be detected. Most abortions take place after five weeks, after a baby's heartbeat is already beating. It has been proven that an unborn child at 20 weeks or earlier can feel pain. Can feel pain. I wish we didn't have kids in here, but maybe they won't listen to me. An unborn child can feel itself being ripped apart in the womb, can feel that pain. And I am believing in Jesus' name that that is the issue that's going to reverse Roe v. Wade that I've been fighting since 1970 when they implemented it. Because in that big old thing of Roe v. Wade is a a statement that says, loosely paraphrased according to me because I'm not a lawyer, if at some point it is shown scientifically that other things can be shown, you know, about the unborn child, then this can be reversed. Hey, open door. I always think of it this way. If an unborn child is having its body parts pulled apart, how would you as an adult like to have your body parts pulled apart? Just asking. There's no difference in it. Now, the choice that you make, you know, you hear about pro-choice. This is your choice. Keep your pants zipped up and your legs together. It's called abstinence. America is full of immorality for a lot of reasons. Because they kicked God out, you know, years ago. Because Hollywood portrays it, TV portrays it. That's why you can't watch half that stuff or go to half those, you know, 99 and 9 tenths of those movies. Because of the immorality that is portrayed. And so everybody thinks, well, that's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live together. We're supposed to have all this premarital la, 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 la. Abstinence, number one. Number two, there is such a thing as birth control. There's a lot of different methods of birth control, but abortion is not birth control. Abortion is murder. Now, I'm going to prove this to you from the Word of God. Okay, you ready for this? Okay, the first scripture we're going to look at is Psalms 139, verses 13 through 18 in the New Living Translation, and I'm presuming it's up up there. Nope, that's not it. Who's working back there in the sound, in the media? Okay, I need Psalms 139, 13 through 18 in the New Living Translation. Thank you. You are going to get this, the copies of all these things in your packet I'm giving you out too, so listen to this. 
You, meaning God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body. Say, God made all the inner parts of my body. Say it. And knit me, to, knit me together in my mother's womb. Where? In your mother's womb, right? Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. Isn't that beautiful? He's watching these unborn babies being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even counter, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still there with me. How awesome is God? How awesome is the life of an unborn child? Listen to this, Jeremiah 1-5. This is in the New King James. This is the Lord speaking to the prophet Jeremiah said, before God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, this is before conception even took place, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Wow. Is God awesome or what? Yes, he is. You know, in Luke 144 in the New King James uh, Bible, Elizabeth, if you look this up, is so cool. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, goes to see Elizabeth. So Elizabeth's carrying John the Baptist. Mary's carrying Jesus, the Son of God. And it says, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, Elizabeth said, the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in my womb for joy. John the Baptist, as an infant inside, recognized Jesus, the Son of God, inside Mary, the mother of Jesus. Wow. Is that powerful or what? That's awesome. You know, children can hear in the womb. You know, they've proven that, too. They can hear. You know why we know this personally as pastors? Because if you're a parent and you come to church here every time the doors open, there's a bunch of you in here now. we got, what, seven babies that are born recently? They hear pastor preaching. He's the main voice, and now it's Pastor Dave. They hear them in the womb. And when they come into the service for the first time, even when they're a little bitty, they, they, you know, Pastor Dave or Pastor will go up and talk to them. Those little babies brighten right up. Why? They recognize the voice. Because they've heard the word of God for nine months. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> God's so awesome. Okay. Proverbs 6.17. New King James. I'm just going to go to one source in there. There's six things the Lord hates. And then it goes on to say no seven. And one of them is hands that shed innocent blood. There's nothing more innocent than an unborn baby, right? Exodus 20:13 New King James specifically says, "You shall not murder." You shall not murder. It's plain as a nose on your face. Another topic that we're going to talk about is children. Let's look at Matthew 18, 
16 for a minute. Matthew 8, 6, not... Matthew 18, 6. I'll get it in a minute. Matthew 18, 6. Jesus says this about children. We've gone from infants, now we're talking, you know, the unborn, I'm talking about children now. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Recently, California passed Senate Bill 145. And I got, I got a copy of it in this little packet I'm giving it to you. Not the whole thing, but just a thing on it. Senate Bill 145 has changed or, or implemented a law that says a 24-year-old can have sex with a 14-year-old. Homosexual type stuff, too. Now, you can't tell me that a 14-year-old, they can be coerced and manipulated by a 24-year-old, but they can't make a conscious decision at 14 years old on whether they want to have sex with somebody or not. But the state of California, remember I said, blessed is the state whose God is the Lord? The state of California just passed Senate Bill 145 that says if a 24-year-old can have sex with a a 14-year-old, 10-year difference. But they're also working on changing the age of consent to 10 10 years old. Now, I tell you all the time, you need to watch your children. I mean, don't let them even walk down the street without you. None of the above. Watch them if they're in the yard. I mean, you can't even hardly let them play in the front yard. But, you know, you've got to watch your children. Sex trafficking is a horrible issue in America. Dr. Barkley, our pastor, y'all, most of you know Dr. Barkley, told me a couple of years ago, and I was shocked, and I thought, I don't know if that's true or not. He said one of the main ways that America makes money is through sex trafficking. And I thought to myself, what? And I just kind of put it on the shelf. But since then, I've found out that's true. People are so perverted nowadays that they're having relationships with infants. Sick people. I'm going to jump down to uh, something that has to do with children. It's called the Equality Act. The Equality Act was passed in 1964, which was a great thing. The Equality Act of 1964 gave equal, equal, black and white is equal. That was the Equality Act. Perfect, beautiful, beautiful. But they're trying to change that now. One party is trying to change that now, the Equality Act. You know, it sounds good. You gotta watch out too because they'll trick you. They'll put some nice, you know, ponies and waterfalls and everything on the name of a bill. And it sounds good, but if you read it, it's horrible. So you've got to be watchful about what it is that they're naming stuff. So on to the Wonderful Equality Bill Act of 1964, they're adding this. And I've got a copy of that, I think, in your packet too. They are saying, they want to say 
that transgender males can participate in female sports. You know, they've been doing that, and I think it's disgusting. You know why? Because some, my daughter-in-law, Melissa, for instance, she got a full, she's a, she's a doctor, not a medical doctor, but she has a doctorate degree, and she teaches um, um, at uh, Indiana Wesleyan University in Indiana. She got a full-ride scholarship for softball, took her through regular college, you know, other college, and then when she got her doctorate degree, because of softball. Now, if there had been, you know, Pete Rose or somebody back in the day playing softball against Melissa, whatever her maiden name was, I forget, Miller, it's Cook now, do you think that she would have gotten that scholarship? That's not fair. Males need to be playing with males and females need to be playing with females. Under the equality bill too, you've heard about this is the joint bathrooms and showers. You've heard about that garbage. Why well, they're trying to put it in there. One of the platform talks about LGBTQ and now they've got a plus sign after it. So what the plus sign indicates is everybody that is has all these sexual things, they're trying to include pedophiliates, whatever you call them in that too now, that pedophiles have rights. That's what the plus is there for. Now, I don't think pedophiles have rights. It doesn't say a word about the little people that they're abusing, does it, you know? It doesn't say that. But pedophiles, there's some kind of a sexual identity thing, and, and they have rights. I don't think so. That's the Equality Act. Jesus said, Matthew 18, 6, whoever harms one of these little ones, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around their necks. You ever seen a millstone? Millstone is a big cement thing with a hole in the middle. They, they used to grind corn with. It's better for them to be have that thrown over their head and them thrown into the sea. That's what God says about children. Israel. Genesis 12.3. Pastor Dave alluded to this to begin with. God said, I will bless those who bless you, Israel, and I will curse those who curse you, Israel, and in you, Israel, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So if we're smart, that's called being a sheep nation. A sheep nation is a nation that stands with Israel. A goat nation is a nation that does not stand with Israel. And so we want to be, we want America to be a sheep nation. We want to support Israel. Amen. Marriage. Look at Genesis 2, verse 24. Genesis 2.24. Anything that's mentioned in Genesis, it's called the, the law of first mention. 
You'll see the first murders in Genesis, the first this is in Genesis, the first everything's in Genesis. That's called the law of first mention. And when God talks about that, that means that that is his position. This is God's position on marriage right from the get-go. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they shall become one flesh. Man and a woman, one flesh. So what's God's definition of marriage? Man and a woman. Right? I gotta tell you a story. You know, most of you know my son Joe's a Marine. He's in New York. He had to go to the doctor the other day for something about his finger. He said, Mom, you would not believe the form I had to fill out. Usually you go to the doctor for the first time, you know, and they want all your history, your family history. He said, Mom, they didn't even ask me my family history. You know what they asked me? They asked me, what were you biologically born as? Next question, what do you identify yourself as today? What do you want to be called? He, she, or it? Sexual identity. Look at back up one chapter, Genesis 1. Verse 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. A male and a female can have a baby. Two males can't have a baby. Two females can't have a baby. It's possible. This is God's will on sexual identity. It doesn't matter what the courts say. When politics and laws smack up against the Bible, we go with the word. Amen. I already talked to you about the Equality Act. Let's see. School choice. You know, if you're a grandparent, you don't probably even think about school choice, but it's a big deal. Um, one of the platforms is for school choice, and one of the platforms is not for, for school choice. But there's also a word on this. Look at Third John, verse 4, way back there by the book of Revelation. Third John. This is about school choice. How many of you know that, you know, what was it, the 60s? They, quote, unquote, kicked God out of school. You all remember that? The results have been horrible. When you kick God out, who comes in? The devil. i got to tell you about a movie Pastor and I saw. This is sidebar pastor and i like to watch old stuff because we don't like the new stuff okay because too much junk in it so we were we were watching a turner classic network a movie called bright road 
And the actress, it was a, it was an African American, it was a black movie. The actress in it was, uh, uh, Danielle Donaldson, something like that. She, this was before segregation, before, before, you know, before they mixed the, everybody would go to the same school. So this was about a black school, and she was a school teacher, and then, uh, some famous actor was the principal of the school. And the story was about this little black boy, who came from a family of, I don't know, 10 or 11. And the child ended up being brilliant. He, therefore, he had a bright road. But um, he didn't pay attention in school. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. It didn't seem as though. But when it came to his math and stuff like that, he could do it in his head. And she didn't know he could do it in his head. The teacher didn't until she saw him helping another child. And she didn't know that she, he didn't know she was looking. Bright road. But in that movie, Bright Road, this was back in the day when God was still in the schools. And this just blessed me so, because I remember being then in school back in the day when God was still in the schools. In the movie, it was Christmas time. And all the children got out the nativity scene. And all the children were singing Christmas carols. Not just Christmas carols, but away in a manger. You know, the Jesus stuff in the school. And I thought, that's the way it was. Perfect picture of the way it was. You ought to look that movie up. It's called Bright Road. And you will see God in the American education system like it used to be. And if you've never seen, if you don't go to a Christian school, you'll be amazed at how beautiful and how precious it was back then. That's been stolen from us. Let's look at, did I, did we even read this? We didn't even read this yet. Third John 4, John, third John verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. How many of you moms have been forced to like quote unquote homeschool your kids because your kids aren't in school? How many of you moms out there? How many of you people have been appalled at the curriculum that they've come home with? These guys here, they were going to the Christian school. Then they came here. They're not going to the Christian school right now, but talk about shock to your system. Whoa, 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 You know? And then for you parents that really haven't paid any attention to what they're teaching you in school, all of a sudden, you're saying, good Lord, my kids are learning this in school. And that's why America is such a mess as it is now, because you've been, their kids have been taught communism for the last I don't know how many years. That, that That's true. Especially in your public universities. Look at Psalm 78. People that are not for school choice do not want children to be taught anything but what the public system wants them taught. Plus they want the school books. People that are for school choice are people that are saying, I will send my child to the public school or I will send my child to the Christian school or I will send my child here or I will send my child. It's their choice. Psalm 78, verses 2 through 4. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. 
which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. I'm talking about education. Telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and about His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. That's what God wants in education. Flip back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verses 9 and 10. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and to your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. God wants Bible. God wants prayer. God wants back in schools. That's why when you look on your little platform thing, you can tell who's for school choice and who isn't. Why is it important? Because the Bible says it's important. God says it's important. Okay, I'm going to talk about separation of church and state for a minute. Oh, brother, separation of church and state has been taken way wrong for years. And so most people have the belief that we are not supposed to be involved in government things as Christians. But that's a lie. It's the other way around, and I'll tell you why. The, the, the very words separation of church and state are not found in our Constitution. Our founding fathers did not want America to be like England, where they had come from, where they were forced to have the religion of the Church of England. They wanted religious freedom. They wanted to be able to worship God as they could. So when they made the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, all this kind of stuff, I told you before, a lot of them were pastors. They did not want the government interfering with their Christianity. Loosely paraphrased, government, you stay out of our churches. Churches, you have free, you are free to go do whatever you need to with the government. But see, we've been lied to. And I've heard the saying that if you're lied about, if you're lied about something about three times, you're gonna believe it as truth. That's why all across America, people think that the separation of church and states means that the Christians have to stay out of the government. That is a lie. Why do they say that? Because they don't want our Christianity. They don't want our Bible in their sin pot pit. Right? I mean, it's the truth, you know? Hallelujah. So, once again, all of these issues that I talked about are on this, are on the platforms here. I said the platforms. Platform. 
The platform, see? Platforms are lists of beliefs. This is what they believe. And I'm going to tell you something else that has uh, really ticked me off. Pastor doesn't like it when I say that word, but it does. There's a new trick out there politically, especially locally, where they do not tell you the political party of who's running for mayor, city council, school board. They're not telling you what their party is. Now, somebody made the comment to me online. Um, well, you know, they're not doing that because they want everything to be, what's the word, nonpartisan. The thing of it is, everybody's got a belief system. Everybody has a belief system. And how do you know whether candidate X lines up with your belief system if you don't know what platform backs them? Because even if they're running for school board, city council, mayor, they have a belief system. They do belong to some political party. They're just not telling you. They make it real hard for you to find out. But this is how you can find out. One person that's running for, I mean, I don't even live in Barstow anymore, but it concerns me. Because I'm concerned for you who live in Barstow. So I was looking up this woman the other day that's running for, uh, I think she's one of the mayoral candidates. Huh? And I look, and I wanted to find out what party she was from. And I could find it nowhere. I googled her name, I googled all this stuff, I couldn't find it anywhere. But it did have her phone number down there. I thought, aha! If worse comes to work, you call them up on the phone. And if you just don't want to come out and say, what, what party are you affiliated with? You can ask them a, a platform question. That's what Pastor Dave did. He called one of them. Found out they're pro-choice. They believe in butchering babies. So, you want to vote for them? Let me tell you something else that they do. They may be running for dog catcher. I don't think we have a dog catcher thing. This I'm just being facetious. They may be running for dog catcher. Next year, they may be running for governor of California. I'm serious. They use this as a way to bump up their, and I'm seeing it in Barstow. If you have not voted yet, you need to find out who are these people. Who are they? <laughs> Takes a whole lot of research sometimes, you know, and I spend a lot of time doing this and I think, why don't they just tell you up front, you know? They don't want to tell you up front because they don't want you to know. Um, if you need to know something, Google stuff. Things that you can Google. Family Research Council. Excellent. Even Billy Graham Association. Excellent. American Renewal Project is excellent. Uh, Value Voters is another thing you can look up. These are all organizations that you can look up and, you know, if you're having trouble, man, where are these people, you know, where, what, 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 what? 
You can look that up and it'll tell you. This came from, what did I say, Family Research Council. And I love this because instead of me sitting there trying to read 150 pages of the one of the platforms and going back to 2016 and digging up the other one, they did it for me. The issue, religious liberty, international religious liberty, God and government, the courts, sex education, education choice, social experimentation in the military. I didn't even know that was going on. Uh, sanctity of human lives, redefining marriage, LGBT, LGBT agenda, you know, and all that stuff that I mentioned before, abortion and that issue, uh, conscience and rights and health care. But they quote right from the platform. Isn't that awesome? So anyway, I want to challenge you. I really want to challenge you. As born-again believers, we are ambassadors for Christ. This is our standard. This is it right here. This is the will of God. Right here. He does not change. It does not change. And I want to, I want to, I want to encourage you and challenge you to be informed. Things aren't like they used to be. The political platforms are not like what they used to be. You need to find out. Because we are casting our vote as ambassadors for Jesus. It's like Pastor said a couple months ago. Can you take Jesus into the voting booth with you? And him approve of your vote. Bottom line. Amen. So I'm going to have my ushers pass out a packet to every adult. Again, once again in it is all the scriptures that we went over this morning. In it is, uh, that California bill one, Senate bill 145 about the sex garbage <laughs> that, that they just passed. And you've got your platform thing in there. And then there's something else in there. So take it home, look at it, pray over it. You know, take Jesus into that voting booth with you, man, because it's important. Amen. Pastor Dave. Amen. Very good. What an uh, educational time this morning, and she's right what... We back all of our beliefs off of the word of God. Amen. And what the Bible tells us, that's what we live our life by. So I pray we've uh, been educated and challenged today. You know, church should challenge you sometimes. You know, I love the the days that I'm inspired and the days that I am, uh, you know, encouraged. And there are times, though, that at church we should leave challenged and our our thoughts and our thinking should be stirred a little bit to look at some new things. So I'm grateful for that. And, and as mom said, you know, Hey, we, we answer the Lord for our lives in every area that we are in. And so God is good. And I believe great things are in store for the United States and for the city of Barstow. It is an exciting time to be alive and see what God's doing in the earth today. And we keep telling you this every week, but we're seeing more and more prophecy fulfilled uh, day by day by day. And it is it's it's incredible 
2020 has been a wild year, but it's been incredible. I just saw just, I think on Friday, they negotiated another peace deal with Israel and another Islamic nation. And people are like, they've been enemies for, they've been fighting for 3,000 years and now it's just incredible. And God said, hey, some of this stuff's going to happen. So we're seeing it and we get to be alive as Things wind down and Jesus comes back again someday soon. It's a great time to be alive. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together today. Praise God. Praise the Lord. What an awesome day to be in the house of the Lord, serving God together. Amen. And I'm going to pray over you for a few minutes here. Josh, if you want to give us a little uh, piano music, I'm going to pray over you. And I know I'm aware that, hey, we come in. We've been out in the world all week long. We've got the enemy coming at us from different angles. We've got battles we're fighting out there. And so as we come in, I believe that when we're in God's house, man, it's a time to lay some of those things down and and to be built up. For the week ahead. Amen. Because we got, you know, we got a full week ahead of us. And I know that God's good. So let's go ahead. I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, so much for every single person here. And Lord, we're a family. God, we're in this together. We're fighting the good fight of faith. And Lord, according to your word, according to the scripture, we could look at at verse after verse after verse, we can see that things are wrapping up and Jesus is coming soon and he's coming back. He said for a glorious church, a church that doesn't have any spot or wrinkle or any such blemish, he's coming back for a holy church that's ready for you. And so Lord, we're ready. We want to be as ready as we can be for that moment. And God, I ask that you would use each of us this week to share the love of Jesus, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only to Barstow, but to Fort Irwin and, and the whole high desert and anybody we come into contact with. Jesus, we want to go to heaven, but we want to take as many people with us as we can. And so we thank you that we have been born for such a time as this. It is not an accident that we're alive right now. It was on purpose that you put us here in this generation for this moment. And we say thank you for that, Jesus. And we will answer the call that you have for our lives. And now, Lord, I speak a blessing over everybody here, everybody listening, everybody here. I say in the name of Jesus that we are blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come. We're blessed when we go. We're the, we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Everything we do, everywhere we go, everything we set our hands to is blessed in the name of Jesus. Our health, our finances, our marriages. Lord, we invite you in and say, have your way. We have love, joy, and peace in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. Lord, can somebody shout amen today? Amen. Amen. I want to remind you that we have family night tonight at six o'clock right in here. Yeah. Amen. Gonna have a great time with the kids. We got games and all this fun stuff planned and a Bible lesson. So it's awesome. Uh, and if you didn't know, the nursery is back upstairs now. Uh, if you're a parent, you should know that by now because you probably put your kids up there. But nursery's back open up there. So we're moving more and more to uh, where we can get more back to normal than we already are. But what a beautiful day. What a beautiful crowd that we have out here. Thank you guys for being in God's house today. One more reminder, um, because voting this year is going differently than in past years, um, it's going to go from, well, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're doing setup, um, and then Saturday through the third, um, maybe it's Friday. I'd have to look at dates. Anyway, the next seven days from 
Wednesday morning on, uh, we can't use Victory Hall. So during voting times, that back parking lot is going to be blocked off. So if you're coming to service Wednesday or next Sunday, you'll want to come in the main entrance, not the back entrance, okay? Um, for those of you who participate in co-op, you'll be receiving some text messages regarding adjustments and where things will be this week. But just a reminder, this back parking lot will be closed off on Wednesday and on Sunday. So you'll want to come in through the main entrance off 58. There we go. That's it. All right. Got a busy end of the year coming up. So praise God for that. I want to remind you of our 2020 theme verse, Proverbs 11, 11. It says, when right living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk turns it into a ghost town in no time. And that's why we are so passionate about speaking words of faith over where we live because we are not going to turn this place into a ghost town with our words. We're going to speak that it's flourishing and growing and thriving. Amen. Who's ready to speak some words of faith over Barstow with me? Let's do it. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We'll see you tonight.